It's Monday, July 7th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Happy Monday, Chance. You too. Welcome back. Yeah, I got Welcome to celebrate back. two Independence Days last week. Did you? Canada Day on July 1st. That's right. And that was my first Jeez, one. So, as you know, I'm feeling very free right now. So. I'm going to, I might, t- depending on when he is next in studio, I might take our Canadian colleague, Jim Gillies, to task because <laughs> he sent an email on Canada Day with a link, and it was something like, 50 Insane Facts About Canada. And it was sort of this infographic, and I just scanned it very quickly. And the one that caught my eye, there was a little cartoon drawing of a basketball hoop. And it said, the sport of basketball was invented in Canada. Yeah, And I just wrote back to him, that's not true. (laughs) So not only is that an insane fact, that's an incorrect fact. And then... He pointed out that there was one about uh, the movie industry Canada that, that was incorrect, and I said, "Okay, so we've we've established that at least two of uh, are, are the other forty eight correct, or are they made up facts too?" Kenny Maine did a special on ESPN the other day about Dr. James Nason is a Canadian, so he is a Canadian, but it was not invented right. in Canada. Yeah, fair enough. That's fair enough. Anyway, I like it when people say true fact true, because true isn't fact. A fact isn't the fact that's when you immediately fact, question I mean, it. like isn't it true by nature <laughs> so you're kind of like double counting there right i think you are yeah. um earning season kicks off tomorrow with alcoa and as we've said before that's all alcoa has left going <laughs> for it it's no longer part of the dow it does get the unofficial kickoff of earning season so this is going to be our earning season preview um, and i'm curious what you guys are thinking as we head into this earning season um and we'll start with the company or industry that you're the most curious about, but just as a way of setup, and we, I think we touched on this last week, this first six months of 2014, Taylor, has kind of defied a lot of expectations because I don't think anyone was expecting the mark. You know, at the beginning of the year, you get all range of expectations and predictions and that sort of thing, but first half of the year turned out to be, I think, better than I would say the majority of investors were expecting, which of course sets up. For earnings season, great expectations because some of these stocks now have a lot baked into them in terms of expectations. Yeah, some people are talking about possibly double-digit earnings growth this quarter, as opposed to some people were saying it was going to be next quarter, their quarter after. Uh, I'm glad I was invested to start 2014, and I do like watching Alcoa. I mean, I think that's a great bellwether. They touch pretty much every industry um, from the bottling industry to the aircraft industry you name it they probably have a, a hand in it if it's uh, if it's got any kind of metal components but that being said with my energy background i'm focused on oil and how it's affecting companies this quarter because gas price or oil prices were up five percent over the last three months up to nine percent in june they've pulled back a little bit but that's a huge commodity that companies all around the world are going to be taking the taking the brunt of that that price increase. And 2014 in general um, has been a, a, a decent ride for that commodity. So I'm wondering when that's going to start catching up. I think it's about 12% domestically with the WTI this year. Um, Brent, the European benchmark, isn't up quite as much. So that gap is closing. Our oil is becoming more expensive. And gasoline, as a result, um, especially in our area, up 11%. Um, over the last six months, 30 cents higher than the national average. And they said that this 4th of July was the highest gas average since 2008. So I think, you know, if that persists, that's a big component of people's budgets. And uh, consumer spending could could suffer as a result if that's 
further along than just this summer. When it comes to the oil producers, is it all about the big guys? And by the big guys, I mean Exxon, Mobil, <laughs> Chevron, uh, Royal Dutch Shell, etc.? Not anymore. You look at all the all the small guys are snapping up their assets. Everybody's selling assets on if you're an integrated or a or major independent EMP exploration and production company. Everybody wants to get out of the international scene and refocus on America. So uh, the smaller guys here in the states have really seen all the growth um, with without a lot of the international turmoil. So uh, I think the days of Exxon and and Shell and those guys being a growth company are are well far gone unless they start splitting off even more assets into subsidiaries. Uh, they're just dividend plays in my mind nowadays. That makes me think of the Simpsons, man. You ever remember that Simpsons where they were like Homer and Marge are deliberating, uh, getting a pony? Like Lisa wants a pony really bad, and so they're like sitting there in bed deliberating it. And Marge is like, "Homer, we can't afford to buy a pony." And Homer says, "Marge, you know, with the price of gas today, we can't afford not to buy a pony." You know, and it's a maybe. Maybe there's a future market your investment for ponies right or something. There, yeah. Yeah, you know, Some burros. <laughs> what are you looking at? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm just fascinated by the social media movement. I think it's a really neat market to follow. I think it's a valid market and one that's going to continue to grow. But so you know, I look at, at Twitter, which has just you know been beaten pretty good. I mean, it's been it's been a good whipping whipping post this this uh, year so far. But with the World Cup, you know, wrapping up, uh, they just have been some phenomenal numbers uh, in regard to the World Cup on Twitter and Facebook. And so really, I'm excited to see both companies report. Uh, Twitter particularly, because I think there's a, a bit more of a, you know, there's that real-time component that I, I think, you know, th- they're going to spit out some big numbers in that conference call. There's no question there. I mean, they're going to be like, you know, this many tweets were sent per day regarding this team or this match or whatever. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the market perceives it. Um, you know, I think we're getting a better idea of how Twitter, you know, can monetize its platform. Um, you know, now it's just a matter of whether the market believes it'll be a sustainable uh, you know, monetization uh, process, and and uh, so yeah, I think that for me, just just looking at those two companies in particular, I, I think it's just a really, it's a it's a very relevant market, you know, for for the next I think decade and beyond. And so those are two that I'm looking at. And if gas prices drive people to uh, use public transportation, they're just gonna be sitting on Twitter. There you go. <laughs> Got to kill it. the time. That's somehow. right. Looking up those pony prices. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this earlier today, Taylor. That. The one thing that nobody gets to do this earnings season is talk about the severe winter weather. Everybody got a pass. That's right. Everybody got a pass last That's quarter. A good one. And let's face it, in a lot of cases, it was a completely valid excuse. But nobody gets to do that this time around. And so companies or industries that really needed a hit last quarter essentially got a pass because of the winter weather. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, with this earnings season... There's, there are always companies, there are always industries that really need a big number that they put up. In your mind, when you look at the universe of stocks that uh, is in your purview, Taylor, who needs a hit? I'm looking at the volatile stocks of the NASDAQ. This is the only index in the U.S. and, and TSX in Canada that hasn't been hitting new highs lately. Uh, I think it's been since uh, about 14 years since it has. It's still 13% off that high. So uh, they, they were really the only index that sold off earlier this year because those stocks um, are so volatile. Uh, you know, you've got the high flying solar companies in there. You've got the the social media companies that Jason just mentioned. So I'm looking at that index in particular to to make sure that those companies are out there and really delivering on investors because there's some big growth names in there. And when growth companies miss, especially when they're valued highly, the bottom can fall out pretty quickly. Jason, 
Yeah, so uh, Radio Shack, I guess, is probably the low-hanging fruit, so I won't really <laughs> use that one. I think their days are numbered anyway, but that'll be an interesting one. I think they could certainly use a hit. Uh, but, you know, one that I'm trying to understand a little bit better is the Container Store. Uh, we have a lot of folks here who are big fans of it. You know, it's a recommendation in a number of services. Big fan of Kip Tyndall, the founder. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I, I think that, you know, they've they've developed a culture there that is – you know, it's, it's obviously uh, it, it's doing well because we're talking about it all the time, the, the culture, I mean. Um, but, the, you know, the concept, the store itself to me is I'm still not sold on maybe the growth prospects of it. I mean, the stock has really gotten gotten hammered here since the IPO. Um, and, and to your point about the weather, I mean, they, they certainly, you know, use that weather excuse as well. And I mean, I, I think we give everybody a pass on that one because the weather obviously played a, a big role in it. But I, you know, I still am just not quite sold on the growth prospects of, of the container store. I mean, it's they're expensive. I think there are plenty of other options out there. Uh, so I, I just, you know, mm, I, I think they could certainly uh, use a hit. I mean, if there's a nice little uh, nice little rebound from the weather from last quarter, that would be great for them. Yeah. And when, and when I, I, I should have said this earlier, but when I think about, you know, when I phrase the question, frame the question, who needs a hit? Obviously, there are, there are plenty of companies yeah. out there. I mean, you mentioned Radio Shack. Plenty of companies that are just struggling, maybe even dying. Yeah. So I'm I'm not even including those. I'm just thinking about sort of who's on the margin. I think the Container Store is a great example of that because if they do produce some big numbers, then I think it gets a lot of people interested in part because they've already gotten one key component of the business down, which is the culture and the yeah. buy-in from employees and, and, and that sort of thing. Like I'd say Coach, I think, is one that could use a big hit. But we also know that really the, the date for them is September. I mean, that's when the new release, uh, the first release from Stuart Beavers comes out, and we get a better idea of sort of how they're uh, changing the direction of the business. So they could use a hit, but really I think that September is going to be the date you know, for them regardless. So Yeah, and if you're looking just broad industry, apparel, yeah. apparel oh, retail yeah. as a collective unit just needs, <laughs> needs a hit in the worst way. Um, a lot of conference calls, some are more entertaining than others. I think that goes without saying. If your CEO is sipping on wild turkey while the conference call is going on, um, that makes you might even just better. have you inclined to join him. You might. <laughs> um, but I'm, if, if you only got to listen to one conference call this quarter, what's the company that you're picking? I know what I'm picking, but I'm curious what you're picking. Well, mine isn't basically for entertainment value. It's uh, I like I like listening to railroad conference calls, uh, channeling my inner Buffett there. Canadian Rail. I used to listen to CSX, but once I transferred over to the Canadian market, Canadian Rail really caught my eye. Um, it's a company that we follow closely at Stock Advisor Canada, and you're looking at this industry moving grain, moving coal, moving uh, heavy heavy uh, shipments that trucks can't man- that can't carry, and now oil. It's up forty times. The amount of carloads just since 2008, so it's booming in this side. And Canadian National Rail has uh, contacts on the Pacific, the Atlantic, and the Gulf of Mexico. The only rail company that can say that. Uh, so, I think that they've got their ear to the ground. And uh, when you look at what they've been able to do over the past few years, growing, acquiring new new rail lines, they've really got it clicking on all cylinders, and they're moving towards natural gas. Already, rail is less exposed to the price of diesel or gasoline as opposed to airlines or um, trucking. So if they can get that natural gas movement going like CSX and GE are really focusing on together, uh, I think rail is, is the next big ticket, even though it's one of the oldest industries in the United States. I think that it's, it's got a long life ahead of it, especially given the fact that it can carry a ton of, of anything 
500 miles on a gallon of diesel. Yeah, Canadian National is a uh, it's a recommendation in Stock Advisor it as is, well yeah. on David's yep. side of the card. And you know, I, I I'll echo your sentiments on rail. I mean, it, it seems boring, you know, and probably I guess really kind of is. Uh, but man, the competitive advantages there. I mean, that's just it's just the mode is huge mm-hmm. because I mean, you know, once you get those tracks laid down, I mean, there are just there are some things that you just can't replicate, and really that's one of them. So once you once you get in on that, I mean, it's it's a great way to to invest in, I think, a long-term trend that is going to be very difficult to displace. And, you know, it's not going to be the kind of stock that doubles overnight. But, man, over the course of five and ten yeah. years, it can just really, really add to your portfolio. Another one that's a bit smaller and plays, uh, you know, more into the shorter uh, freight is Genesee in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. It's another one that I, I like that a lot, too. And unlike uh, freight shipping on, on the heavy seas, it's regional, so you don't have China coming out here flooding yeah. the market with capacity. So right. it's limited, and there's there's a, only a few amount of competitors that really dominate. And if you can pick them out, then I don't I don't think that there's really a bad rail in the in the North American market. You just have to decide what you want to be exposed to. Well, and and to what you were saying earlier, Jason, about social media, like you know, I think it was Howard Schultz in a recent interview made the point about Starbucks saying, "Well, look, you know, <laughs> one thing we do have going for us is nobody can make a, a, a virtual latte." So you know, yeah, exactly. you know, you're and, protected. And, there. and when you look at the rail industry, stuff's got to get from point A to point yep. B, and that's not a concern when we're talking about social media. But in terms of goods, they got to get from point A to point B somehow. And surprisingly Still, enough, you see UPS. You think, oh, they're using trucks, but they're actually one of, if not the number one customer of the rail industry. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty that surprised me when I found that statistic. Jason, you get one conference call. Who are you listening to? I, I can't wait to hear who you listen to. I'm sort of noodling this <laughs> He's around. He's got his back pocket who, who might over be, there. <laughs> who might be picking? For me, uh, you know, a- after last quarter, I really am looking forward to hearing Whole Foods' call. Prepare to disclose. Chris, go ahead. If you want. Uh, John Mackey, co-founder of Whole Foods. It's on our board of directors. Yes, thank you. And so, uh, you know, I always... I hate to to have to make you do that, but this no, is just one no, call that no. I really Believe after me, last year that was a finalist for me. <laughs> after last year, I mean after last quarter, I mean they they just got killed. I mean in in a bad way, like it was it was it was not good. You know, it was it was one thing when the when the earnings release came out, and then when they got on the call, and I think it was one maybe it was a Goldman analyst that started prodding them a little bit on the you know the margin pressure and the pricing pressures there. And, and everybody just piled on, and, and really, you know, the stock was down like eight or nine percent after hours, and then after that call is when it just tanked to like twenty twenty percent the next day. Uh, you know, I, I think that the whole, you know the low fruit, the low hanging fruit for Whole Foods has been picked. I think the easy money has been made on that. Uh, you know, the people that that got in as as it was sort of this big robust growth story. Uh, now you have to like Whole Foods is for long term investors only. I mean, at the end of the day, this is still just a grocery store, right? Albeit a very nice grocery store and one that we, you know, a lot of us go to every day. Uh, but but it is a different competitive environment now. Uh, and you know, I tend to see grocery stores for the most part kind of like your CVSs and in your Walgreens. Is they're just kind of commodity goods to the degree that you're most of the time you're going to go to one that's closest to you. Um, Whole Foods is a bit different. They've they've certainly taken the experience to a new level, and I I mean I love the experience. I shop there whenever I can, um, but they are going to have to compete more on price, and, and I think that means that the market is going to be assigning it a a you know different style valuation now than, than it was just just even a year ago. 
Uh, still a great business. I think it's a great long-term investment. I think if you own shares, you hold them and just plan on keeping them for the next decade. Um, I, you know, I, I've told people who've asked, I think they have interest in Whole Foods. They think it's cheap. I mean, it's cheap for a reason. It's not cheap. I think it's fairly priced today, given uh, you know the growth prospects it has and the fact that it's a grocery store. You know, That's a low-margin, cutthroat business. And, and, and at the end of the day, that's what they are. It is a grocery store, but as we know from the one closest to Fool HQ, and they're doing this in other locations as well, they are able to sell higher margin things like alcohol. Like, oh, yeah. And not just yeah, selling they the them. Bar. They, have a, yeah. they have a bar. Tim Hansen was talking recently about a trip to the Whole Foods in Brooklyn where it's the whole top le- I think he said it's the whole top level. So the entire second level of the Whole Foods is sort of bar, mm-hmm. restaurant, that sort of thing. So th- th- I think they have that opportunity, whereas as nice as Harris Teeter or Safeway is going to be, they're not they're not rolling out a bar. I could not agree with you more. <laughs> I, I agree totally. And I think that's one of the big differentiators for Whole Foods that they'll need to continue to exploit. Like, I mean, I, I went to the one uh, closer to my house in Fairfax and was a bit disappointed it's smaller. It doesn't have the same dynamics as the one here. But but I think that for all of the points that you noted, along with the fact that they're still going to open, you know, six to seven hundred more stores here over the coming, you know, ten to twenty years, most likely. Um, I mean, I think it's an exciting growth story. It's going to be kind of a kind of a slower one, and um, and uh, you know, it'll take some it'll take some time to play out. But I think for all the reasons you mentioned, along with really, I think they have a a very solid management team in in Mackey and Rob, and, uh, and and as long as as long as those guys are at the helm, I'd feel very good holding those shares. That was on my short list. Apple was on my short list because Drum roll, I, please. because I think that <laughs> when you when you look at the coming devices, the iPhone six and the iWatch, I think that there are legitimate questions to be asked about. Okay, what are you expecting for? For these to translate into sales, uh, and how is that going to move the stock? That, by the way, has done quite well over the past twelve months. But for me, the most interesting call, the one I'm the most curious about, is Yahoo, because yeah. Yahoo is about to be handed a check for ten billion dollars. <laughs> Let's just round in round figures. When Alibaba goes public, Yahoo's going to get about ten billion dollars, and in some ways, it's a good problem to have. But the problem they're going to have is, okay, how are we going to spend this $10 billion? How are we going to put it to use? Um, i got to give a shout-out to our colleague, uh, Jeremy Phillips. I was chatting with him this morning, and he sort of pulled up some numbers uh, showing me what uh, Yahoo's acquisitions have looked like throughout company history as a, as a publicly traded company. Roughly one-third of Yahoo's acquisitions as a public company and they went public, I think, in 1997. So over a 17-year period, roughly one-third of those acquisitions have come in the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. And so Marissa Mayer's strategy is clear mm-hmm. in her time as CEO, and she's done quite well. But at some point, you have to look at that and say, well, wait a minute. what? Because now, if all of a sudden she's got 10 extra a real firepower billion now, yeah. dollars to go out and spend... I'm curious what she's going to buy with it. Yeah, Hopefully they've been be. planning on that already. <laughs> I have to believe they've had some meetings on that. All right, Taylor Markham and Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 